The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your national public radio source that came out wrong the nation's public radio source i feel like i just violated a copyright when i said that for all of your real estate investing needs and advice and today is not just the last wednesday of the month it's the last wednesday of the year so we are going to combine our usual q and a day with a discussion about your goals for 2012 particularly as they relate to real estate investing. If you have any question at all, you can give us a call here in the studio. If you are in the greater Cincinnati area, call 513-772-9658. If you are outside the the greater Cincinnati area, you can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658. 9658 877-772-9658 or you can send us an email by going to uh, I just send it to askvena at gmail.com a-s-k-v-e-n-a at gmail.com we're also going to talk about five great goals for you to set for 2012 whoever you are whatever uh area of real estate you're investing in, whatever you are uh, doing in the way of you know your, your level of knowledge and experience. So just in case you uh, don't have some goals of your own for 2012, I'm going to try and pass some on to you. And uh, again, if you would like to share yours, just give us a call at 772-9658. 877-772-9658 if you're outside the greater Cincinnati area or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. We have uh, some of our listeners who have posted some goals on our Facebook page at realliferealestateradio.com. Um, some good goals here. Some inspiring things. Antonio says that his goal for 2012 is to make $100,000 in real estate and to continue his education. And $100,000 is, of course, a very doable goal, depending on how many deals you plan to do and what area of the country you live in and whether that means cash or whether it means cash flow or whether it means equity. Uh, Ralph and Nathali are going to develop a 100-unit senior housing complex. That's a... That's a big project. That might be a year-long goal, year-long project. 
Laura wants to make a quarter of a million dollars rehabbing, pick up two more small apartment buildings, make a quarter of a million on her first commercial deal, and finish the foundation work on a current project. <laughs> I know how those go. Could be another year-long project. And Sandra wants to buy, rehab, and sell three houses and to hold two properties for rental and, she adds, continue learning. So if you have a question or a goal you'd like to share here on Real Life Real Estate, give us a call in the greater Cincinnati area at 772-9658 or if you're listening to us from outside the area, 877-772-9658 or send us an email, askvina at gmail.com. In the way of... um, of actually reaching some of those goals this year, because I think we all are very aware of the new year's resolution thing where on January 1st, we're very, very motivated because we've been thinking a lot about stuff and we've, we've, we've got some, some dreams and we've had some time off. So we, we haven't been so involved in our, in our day-to-day lives. And we set these, we set these big goals and then, January passes and it gets to be February and we're no longer really even working on them. And by the end of the year, we are very frustrated because we uh, set those goals again and again, we didn't reach them. So let's talk a little bit about some ways in which you can actually plan to reach your 2012 real estate goals. And the first thing that I am going to, to, to tell you that I have seen over and over work with the folks that I've been working with is <clears throat> saying I'm going to buy five properties or I'm going to flip five properties is not nearly specific enough for you to get your teeth into and um, actually get to work on. And a big part of the reason that you need to have education about any particular strategy is because the education not only tells you what to do and tells you how to avoid potential traps, it also tells you what activities and resources you're going to need to do the thing. So if your goal is, for instance, to wholesale, five properties in the next year. There is a series of things that is going to need to go into that, that if you have some education about wholesaling, you will understand what those things are. Uh, In order to flip five deals, you have to find five deals and you have to find five buyers, right? So how do you, how are you going to find the five deals? What are you going to do? What marketing are you going to do? What, uh, uh, what resources are you going to take advantage of? Have you got a real estate agent who can show you bank owned properties or properties that are in the MLS? Or are you going to uh, strictly write letters to people who've inherited houses maybe? And if that's what you're going to do, uh, what is the letter going to look like? When are you going to write it? Is it, is it is it going to be one page? How are you going to get the names? Are you sure you can get the names in your community? And when you when you mail them, when are you going to mail them? Are you going to mail them the day after the person dies? Are you going to na- mail them six weeks after the estate is filed? Are you going to remail six weeks after that? Or will be, there be some other uh, order in which you do the mailings? And when you start to get it down to that level of, okay, in order to do this, I need to write a letter. And I need to get some envelopes and I need to get some names. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for you to create a 
task list. A not not just not just a goal of wouldn't it be great if I if I sold five property sold five wholesale deals this year, but get it down to a list that you can then start to schedule into your weeks week after week. You start with the big list and then you say from that big list because that that big list is likely to be fifty or sixty items long. Which which three of these are the most crucial this week? Which three do I need to get accomplished this week because everything else hinges on them or because they're the highest leverage or whatever the case may be? If you can if you can not just make that resolution, not just decide at 11.59 on December 31st that you're going to flip five, whole, five wholesale deals this year, but in fact create a list of things that have that have to be done and uh, times at which you should go back and look and say all right am i am i doing this is it working is am i getting the calls that i expected to be getting and so on um you'll actually have something to 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 do when the motivation of it being new year's is gone and the uh, complication of your real life getting in the way has gotten in the way you're listening to real life real estate investing it's question and answer week here on real life real estate we are taking your calls at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's the last Wednesday of the month and of the year. And we're talking today about goals. Also, just question and answer week as would be typical for this time of year of uh, the month but um give us a call if you have questions goals you'd like to share because you know you know sharing them out there with the world like on a radio show that people can hear all over the united states it's going to give you going to give you a little extra push to reach those goals. Our numbers are 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. 877-772-9658 if you're listening from outside the greater Cincinnati area. And you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Got an email from Andrew who says, I've listened to over 100 of your shows and appreciate the knowledge you share. The best deal of this year for me was my very first investment. Getting started was the biggest hurdle, and I'm glad to have it done. It's a buy and hold deal in Bakersfield, California, for a duplex built in 2007. Uh, two three-bedroom, one-baths that grows $1,835 a month in rent with a purchase price of one ten. so it's not too far from the 2% rule. I live in Los Angeles and wanted something I could drive to. I put 25% down, got financing at five and three-quarters for the rest. I interviewed several several property management companies, then finally settled on the one that's been doing a good job of collecting rents, rent and maintenance for several months. My mortgage payment is 481 Property management is 100 Property taxes 155 Insurance 50 Vacancy 180 reserves for the future and ongoing maintenance 300. This leaves me with a monthly take home of 500, which I am very happy with. It is a B plus building in a C plus area. And he goes on to say, P.S. I know you like to make fun of people in Los Angeles, so I tried to be extra careful. <laughs> no, see, I like to make fun of people in Los Angeles, Andrew, who don't evaluate the property, who don't buy a property that they can drive to, who don't know that reserves and property maintenance are part of the expenses of a rental property and who don't spend a lot of time interviewing property managers. And it sounds like you did every single thing right in this deal. So I have absolutely nothing to make fun of. And congratulations on your first deal, Andrew. 
It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. Uh, certainly, you can share your best deal of the year. You can uh, call and or email and tell us about your goals or ask any questions that you may have. Uh, the numbers in the studio are 513-772-9658 or 877-772-9658. And um, question here from whom? Dave in Cincinnati. Uh, Vina, I have several lease options and land contracts on single family homes, mainly, and he names two neighborhoods that are sort of uh, bread and butter type neighborhoods here in Cincinnati, which will be expiring in the next year or so. I priced these properties at the upper end of fair market retail at the time and gave the tenant buyers MLS comps when they signed a couple of years ago. I am concerned that the houses may have declined a little in value, maybe five to 10%, and that the properties may not appraise at the contract sale price due to tougher appraising standards. Do I challenge the bank's appraisals and pay for my own appraisal or pay and pay for my own appraisal hoping it will be higher? Do I lower my sale price to the new appraisal in an effort to be fair to the tenant and get a listing free sale or do I hold pat and make the tenant buyer bring money to the closing? Most will have several thousand in equity built up between the option fee and the monthly credit. They were clearly told that the price is fixed and the future value could go up or down. However, I doubt most will have much cash to bring to the closing beyond their banked option fees and monthly credits. Just so you know, I do not have to sell the houses since I am basically a buy and hold investor. I am predominantly a cash type investor looking for the best return on capital. <clears throat> and it, the question actually goes on from there. But uh, Dave, um, you may be worrying about something there that's not gonna happen um the the in the two neighborhoods in which you the the two neighborhoods that you named um at least one of those two from what i have seen recently the prices are actually going up in in that neighborhood and the other one i think they're they're holding fairly stable now in theory the appraisals on these properties where the uh, the the buyer is going to be an owner occupant and is probably going to go get an FHA loan should not be including those distressed foreclosure sales, which is what's making it look like the prices over there are dropping. But if you look what's ha- if you look at what's happening in those areas, once once a property is purchased for fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, and then six months passes and somebody renovates and puts it back on the market, they're selling for quite a bit of money and they're selling pretty quickly in those two neighborhoods. Um, FHA appraisers who are appraising for homeowners, at least I have found them to be a little bit more relaxed, if you will, about about uh, not beating up your appraisal too badly. So you may be worrying here about something that, that just flat out isn't going to happen. Uh, having your own appraisal isn't going to do any good. You can always ask FHA for another appraisal, a second appraisal, but bringing in your own appraisal is not going to do you any good. If the buyers have equity because of their down payments, and if you you, you mentioned that you use the first time home buyer tax credit, so they should have at least 10% equity plus whatever little bit they might have paid off in the meantime, um, that's going to give them a lot of cushion in case the appraisal does come in 5% lower than the sale price of the property. Uh, do you want to lower the prices? I, that's 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 really up to you uh because as you say it is a listing free sale you don't you're not going to pay a commission on it so uh and if they move out and you have to sell it you might just do that so you know, that might be worth 5% to you uh, i did have a situation 
back last spring in a different neighborhood in Cincinnati. Uh, same thing. Buyer bought it with first time home buyer tax credit on land contract, went out and got it, the property appraised and it appraised at about $10,000 lower than their purchase price. And when I looked at the appraisal, when I looked at, at the comps that the appraiser had used, I really couldn't argue with them. And what had happened was there'd been a very slow six month period right before this appraisal. There were only like three properties that had sold at all and two of them were distressed. So the only three comps the guy had were two distressed sales and one that was still not as high as, as the property that I was trying to sell. Um, that one worked out. I mean, what I what I I told the buyer that we would drop the price slightly, but that this was a this was just a function of when he had had the appraisal done, and if I'm I'm sure if we went back and recomped it now, it wouldn't look that bad. But because um, the market is picking up here in Cincinnati, uh, I'm sure it wouldn't look that bad. But I, I there was no way. I mean, he wanted me to like lower the price by twenty percent or something, and that was that was not going to happen. So that's kind of. You got to look at at the deals individually, and you've got to look at, at your position in them. I think more importantly, uh, let's see. His last question is: Finally, since some or probably most of the tenant buyers will not exercise their lease option land contract options, it seems easiest to keep the tenants in the property. After a non-exercise contract, do people usually change to a straight rental, or should I try to structure a new lease option? to keep the ownership mentality going. Uh, well, <clears throat> Dave, uh, which one do you have? It's, it's, it, if, you, if, you, if these folks applied for first-time homebuyer tax credits, they don't have lease options. They have land contracts. And they don't convert to being tenants when the land contract balloon date comes up. If you want to keep them in the property after the land contract balloon date comes up, you need to create an extension to the land contract, but be careful about going over ten year, or sorry, over five years with that, because in Ohio, once a tenant or a, a buyer has been in a land contract for five years, uh, they have to be foreclosed upon instead of evicted. So you do have that sort of looming deadline. But uh, um, if they are truly on lease option, which is not what I'm getting out of this, but Okay, if you say so, uh, yeah, the option expires. They can go on a month-to-month lease, if possible. I, I would renew their their option, uh, just as you said, to keep the homeowner mentality going. But uh, you know, if they're taking good care of the property, it's always cheaper to have a tenant paying you than it is to have a vacancy, isn't it? Or let me say, more profitable to have a tenant paying you than to have a vacancy. So, thank you very much for your question, Dave. It's real life real estate investing. We're talking today about. Uh, any questions that you have, as well as goals. What are your goals? How are you going to reach them this year? You want to call call me up and tell me about them? Because the number is 513-772-9658 or 877-772-9658 outside the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, or you can just send us an email by sending it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, the last show of the year, and we're talking about your goals for 2012, how to reach them, and uh, what they are. Share them at 877-772-9658 or by sending an email to askvina at gmail.com. Um some great goals to set if you if you if you need a starting point if you haven't thought about this yet and yet you need some 
good goals to to think about for 2012. Got five for you. Number one, set up a self-directed HSA. One of the biggest concerns that real estate investors have over and over again, I hear this, if I if I quit my job or if my spouse quits their job, how are we going to pay for health insurance for the family? Because if you've if you've looked at at individual health insurance plans and especially the ones with all the bells and whistles where you get, you know, no copay on your on your uh, prescriptions and doctor's visits and so on, they are extremely expensive and they are hard to get if you have pre-existing conditions and so on. But a good alternative is a health savings account where you can contribute a certain amount each year, just like to any IRA. And if you have a a self-directed health savings account, you can then use that money to invest in high returning things like, I don't know, wholesale deals, you know, put in $3,000, use that money to flip a deal. Now you've got $8,000, do it again. Now you've got $15,000, do it again. Now you've got 20 grand in your health savings account tax-free. Now, one of the rules about having a health savings account is that you also have to carry a high deductible insurance plan. So you will still be paying a premium. And uh, that premium has gone up significantly since the uh, new health care rules came out of Washington that require even those high deductible plans to fully cover certain um, uh, wellness visits and so on. But it's a whole heck of a lot cheaper than getting a premium plan from uh, from a health insurer when you have when you're self-employed. So you can scratch that worry off your list by opening up and then using a a health savings account for yourself. Now, of course, we're not giving legal or tax advice here, and there may be situations under which you cannot do that because of your income or your other situation, but certainly look into that if health insurance is an issue for you or for your family. Look into a self-directed HSA during 2012. Um, second thing that I'm going to say to everybody out there, and I don't care what your level of knowledge or experience is, is uh, commit to increasing your education in 2012. And I mean your education about your own strategies, about marketing, about business strategies, about time management, uh, all, all of those things that you learn don't just stimulate your brain. They also help your business and, uh, Sometimes, sometimes in real estate, we don't cross train enough. We, we we're so focused on how to be a better landlord that we only attend the the local RIA meetings when there's a landlording speaker. We only read books about landlording. Do you know how much I've learned about landlording from reading about lease options and land contracts and 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 uh, maintenance and and repairs and rehab? So even if you even if you think you know it all, especially if you think you know it all. Uh, make a commitment to, to to learn something new about your business each week this year. And as part of that, I would say no matter where you live in the country or what your local real estate association is, commit to going to all of the meetings. That's right. All 12 or all 24, as the case may be, because it's not just about the education. It's also about the networking, about the resources that you gather, about the motivation and uh, only showing up when there's a speaker that 
is talking about your particular thing is not going to do nearly as much for you as going every single solitary meeting. I know they're in the evening and they're on a weekday and I'm, I'm always coming home from work and I'm tired. Yeah, go anyway. It's only once a month at most places. So there's a good resolution for you. Increase your, increase your education. Learn one new thing about the real estate business every week and attend all of the local real estate investors association meetings. If you have a goal for 2012 that you'd like to share, give us a call at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. You can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Third resolution that you might want to make if you're in the real estate business or plan to be in 2012 is to get a mentor. And when I say a mentor, I, I, I could be, I mean, if, if, if you're in a, if you're in a financial position to, uh, to take this on, uh, there's people out there who will mentor you for pay. Now I would say, please check very, very carefully on those people because I just received an email today from a real life real estate listener who uh, mentioned that she had dropped a five-figure sum of money on somebody who promised to mentor her and then did absolutely nothing. Anyone can say I'm experienced and I'm going to help you. I would get some references on that before I paid anybody. But even if it's just somebody in your local association or or several people maybe in your local association who agree to to talk to you, let you pick up the phone and call them within reason, um, things like that, it's, it's, it's so helpful again, whether you're just starting out or whether you're moving into a new phase of your business to, to have somebody that you can, you can just bounce ideas off of and get, get a, get a different view or, or, or a lot of times they'll help you straighten out things in your brain that you can't do on your own. I mean, you've got all the knowledge there, but you can't put the pieces together and just simply sitting down with somebody and talking through the deal helps you put the pieces together. Uh, It's just, mentors are so hugely valuable in your real estate business and again in every stage of the business we tend to we tend to get to a point where we don't think we need anybody like that you know do i do i need somebody to mentor me in wholesaling probably not but do i need somebody to mentor me in how to hire people and fire people and run a business and uh, yes i do because that's the stage of the business i am in right now so um yeah get a mentor that's resolution number three a uh, question just came in from <clears throat> Cincinnati Joe. <laughs> How to compare rental the a rental situation between renting out a grandfathered non-conforming duplex on a single family lot versus a single family home free from code enforced expansion restrictions but where a primary tenant might sublet portions of the house to friends or relatives. Wow, Joe, in your in your attempt to be brief and to the point there. You were so brief and to the point. I'm not sure what it is you want me to compare. I'm not sure whether you're saying I have the choice of renting a non-conforming duplex or buying a non-conforming duplex or a single family home. Or if you're talking about the same property, you've got a non-conforming duplex that you want to turn into a single family home and you're wondering what the pros and cons of that are. Um, Maybe you could send me a follow-up email and be a little more specific as to what the question is because I'm somehow not quite getting it. If you have a question, 
772-9658 or 877-772-9658 uh, or send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Uh, fourth great goal for 2012 uh, for all real estate investors out there is, is your estate plan together? I don't care if you own one rental property or if you own a hundred rental properties. How long has it been since you have looked at your will? How long has it been since you've looked at your trusts and made sure that your successor trustees are still the right people or that your successor beneficiaries are still the right people? How long has it been since you looked at your operating agreements and, and, and seen if you actually have a successor or if you have it, if you have it set up within the operating agreement that your spouse or partner can continue on with the business if something happens to you, God forbid. Um, I've just seen too many uh, recently uh, real estate investors who have either passed away unexpectedly or who have become mentally incapacitated by Alzheimer's and the like, uh, who have left their family stuck trying to untangle deals that they understood perfectly, but that the paperwork's a little sloppy on and the, 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 the will hasn't been changed to update update it to include the stepkids or to, uh, you know, take out the spouse who passed away several years ago. And your, your goal or one of your goals for building your real estate empire is probably to leave your family in a better financial position when you go, not a worse financial position when you go. So if you don't have an estate plan, make one. If you do have one, make sure that it is updated. Just go, just go through and look at it. Okay, that's that's a good plan. Uh, we have a caller on line one, Greg, calling from Cincinnati. Greg, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much. I was looking at the paper this morning, and there was a special section with all of the past due taxes for everyone in Hamilton County. Mm-hmm. I was looking at some of the uh, the owers, and they seem to be. I break them down to investors and landlords and then Hamilton County itself. <laughs> Looking into the the ramifications of losing a property because of a tax lien, what are your thoughts and feelings about investing in taxes or not I'm sorry, not taxes, but in in tax leaned property? Investing in property that has a tax lien issued against it or investing in a property that has delinquent taxes? Delinquent taxes. A lot of the ones I look at, they're $35, $52, and they seem to be very small increments of a, a property. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a property that's like a 12 foot by 15 foot. Yeah. Yeah. That... Still, to see it's a property, you owe it. Bingo, you got to pay it. Right, and it's landlocked and nobody can build on it. And it's also, you know, there's a stream running down the middle of it. And yeah, that, the, some of those lots are, they just keep going back to tax sale over and over and over again because they're not useful. They're not, <laughs> they have no, I mean, right. you know how Cincinnati at, is. At, at the same time, I see, you know, properties like Hamilton County owes them mm-hmm. or the, uh, 
agency that is for the Section 8 housing, they owe the property taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me let me let me let me explain a little a little bit about how how property taxes work here in Hamilton County versus the way they sometimes work in other parts of the country. Uh, first of all, the penalty for not paying a tax bill is 10%. It's 10% simple interest. So uh, you sometimes see people that say, you know what, I've got the option of either buying a house or paying my tax bills this month. If I don't pay the tax bills this month, I get six months worth of 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 basically borrowed money from the county at 10% simple interest, and I can't borrow it for, at that from the bank, so I'm going to go buy the house, and then I'll pay the tax bill when it comes around again. Okay, so there's no there's no addition up until the tax lien is actually sold. There's no additional penalty. And that's why you see you'll see so many properties that are on the list now, but they will never go to tax lien. I mean, these aren't people who can't pay their tax bills. They're people who, for one reason or another, didn't pay their tax bills in the case of the county and Section 8 and things like that. I'm sure it's a, a bookkeeping thing or something like that. In other states, like if you go over to Indiana, you just cross the border into Indiana and a tax lien is being sold on a property. You can walk into the courthouse and you can bid on that tax lien along with everybody else. So if you if you personally, Greg, saw a property that you really liked the looks of, and you wanted to take the gamble on, well, you know, I'll buy the I'll buy the thousand dollar tax lien, and if they if they can pay me off, they'll pay me at eighteen percent, and if they can't pay me off, I get the house, right? You can do that in Hamilton County. You can't do that. In Hamilton County, you can't buy a tax lien. You have to buy the tax liens. You have to buy like all of them. Okay, so so the the companies that are buying these things are, are are hedge funds and company companies that have millions and millions and millions of dollars, and those little fifty two dollar liens you're seeing there that no one is ever going to redeem. Whoever owns that is never ever going to redeem it because why would they keep paying taxes on a piece of land that they can't do anything with, right? That will go back. You know that what you'll see is is they'll, they'll, they'll it'll be bought as part of this giant package and then. Two years will pass, and the taxes won't get paid for two years, and then it will get reissued again, and somebody else will buy it as part of another giant package. So, in in terms, okay, well, stop, stop right there, because I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> now, I go out and I want to buy property X. Mm-hmm. It's surrounded by property Y and Z. Mm-hmm. I bid. I get property X. Okay, you're you're buying this from the it's, owner, right? I'm buying it off a tax lien sale. Okay, that's what I'm telling you. You can't do that. In the state of Oca- in, in well, in Hamilton County, you cannot do what you just said. You cannot buy. It used to be you could. Up until three or four years ago, you could buy them at a tax deed sale. Now you can't. The rules have changed. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm 58 years old. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... Uh, explain it, it in, in, in third lane third grade level terms I, I i missed what you're saying have you uh, w- did you in the past greg did you ever buy properties at tax deed sales no i've never bought properties okay. i'm looking at these and i'm thinking 5 to 15 down, years down the road mm-hmm. is this an investment mm-hmm. yeah that's um that's a that's a that's a that's a bigger question okay i i think what i think what has happened here is you have heard of tax lien sales right You've heard of these things where people can go and bid on these tax liens and they can get the property. Yes, I've heard of them. Yeah, but- and I, I know I, I know a family that made a f- fantastic deal on a tax lien sale. Mm-hmm. And how long ago was that? 
four years. Yeah, that back back four years ago, you could do what you just said you wanted to do. You could go in and buy property X on the courthouse steps as part of the tax deed sale. Today, you cannot do that in Hamilton County, Ohio. They, they, they've just they've changed the rules. It, it, it no longer works that way. And we should uh, we should definitely get a guest to come in here and talk about how the tax lien sales in Ohio do work because it doesn't work the way that it used to work. So, you know, it, are, are those properties potential investments? I don't know. You know, you'd have to look at them on a case by case basis, see what the. Owners... No, I'm not looking at this. I'm looking at what I saw in the paper. And I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. What would happen if you do A, B, C, D? You know, what would happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I don't have the money. I don't have the expertise to invest in real estate. But I'm looking down the road. What would happen if I did this? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what I'm saying. All right, fine. I want to buy this property on a tax lien, but you say I can't do that. Exactly. Not, not here. You can do it in Indiana. You can do it in Kentucky. You cannot do it in Hamilton County, Ohio. So, All right. Are you familiar with Butler, Claremont, or Warren? Um, not as familiar as I am with Hamilton. You could certainly call their local auditor's offices and find out what the rules are. I understand that in some smaller counties in Ohio, they are still selling individual tax deeds. And I don't know if any of those uh, counties are amongst the counties that are doing that, but you should, could certainly call them and find out. So thank you very much for your call, Greg. We appreciate it. We need to take a quick break, though. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, 772-9658 or 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Fina Jones-Cox. It is the last Wednesday of the month and the last Wednesday of the year. And traditionally, our last Wednesday of the month is question and answer week. So we are answering questions here today. At the same time, we want to sort of give you a good push into 2012. It is um, it's a great market, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, I said a little bit earlier that I was going to give you five goals to set for yourself for 2012. More education. Start looking to starting a health savings account for yourself. Make sure that your estate plan is in place. Get a mentor. And number five, the five, number five big goal that you should uh, maybe resolve in the next few days to do in 2012. If you are qualified for conventional financing and you have the education or at least somebody on your team with the education to know how to properly evaluate and manage it, please buy a rental property in 2012. Please buy a rental property in 2012. The, 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 the Fannie Mae rates for non-owner occupied properties with 25% down are like 4.4% right now, fixed for 30 years, fixed rate for 30 years. Buy the deal right and it's hard for it not to cash flow at that price. What's more, at 4.4%, it might cash flow so much that you could pay it off in 15 years instead of 30 years. Don't miss out on this opportunity to to capture these incredibly low fixed rates and these incredibly low prices on properties. I mean, we're we're seeing properties all over the Midwest and South that can be 
purchased and renovated for under forty thousand dollars and then rent for six ninety five seven ninety five eight ninety five a month find out if your Fannie Mae qualified that would mean you had a job you had a credit score to get to get those rates above about seven forty you have twenty to twenty five percent down you have less than four loans because I just I just I just keep thinking that folks are going to look back in 2013 and say, wow, I really I really shouldn't have dragged my feet on getting those rental properties in 2012 because now prices have gone up and worse yet, interest rates have gone way up and I'm paying $100 a month more for the same loan that I could have gotten a lot cheaper before. So uh, yeah, get a rental property. That's your fifth, your fifth resolution for 2012. A question here from Karen in Cincinnati. She says, how do I get Bank of America and the other big five banks wholesale lists? Well, that's a very interesting question, Karen. I think what you're asking is how do you get their bank-owned properties lists? And um, it's a little bit of of a complicated answer because... Uh, even even the ones that do have websites, and, and when they do, they're easy to find. You just you know Google Bank of America REOs or whatever uh, that lists the properties. They the, those those big five that you're talking about, they don't deal directly with the consumer. They don't deal directly with you. They deal with an asset manager who usually is managing their assets in a state or even three or four states, maybe a region. And those asset managers hire a real estate agent who lists the properties. And it's been my experience that uh, for the big five, there's not one agent that lists in a particular area that lists all of the, those properties. There might be two or three agents that, that list all of Bank of America, for instance. That's the one you brought up, Bank of America's properties. And uh, when they get listed, they go into the multiple listing service. And when they go into the multiple listing service... Any agent can get you the lock, can get the lockbox number and show you the property and write an offer for it. So even if you knew all of the bank-owned properties that Bank of America had in a particular area, knowing that wouldn't do you any good, you would still have to go through exactly the same process that you would uh, if you didn't know which ones were Bank of America's properties. A question from Rick in Orlando, Florida. He says, how can a newbie surround myself with millionaires like the gurus suggest to hasten my success in real estate? I find that RIA meetings allow for introductions, but not much more. What is the next step? I also find that successful investors avoid real estate meetings because of newbies. (laughs) Any suggestions? Uh, well, Rick, I have, I have a couple of suggestions. First of all, it, it, it's, it, it is true that more seasoned real estate investors tend to attend fewer meetings of the local real estate association. And in, in your case, it's not actually a RE, it's called CFRI, as I'm sure you know. Uh, however, they do attend the meetings. They, they, they tend to, they tend to, to stay members and keep paying dues and they, they come out when there is something they're interested in. Thus, my statement earlier about attending all RIA meetings, about 
continuing to learn even when you think that you have the all the knowledge you need. Uh, so it's not that you won't ever see them there. It's that you will see them there much more sporadically than you'll see a new investor who's sucking up every piece of information they can get because it's all new and fascinating to them. Secondly, uh, CFRI, like Cincinnati RIA, has subgroup meetings. And some of those subgroup meetings are going to tend to attract a, a little more seasoned, sophisticated investor because of the topics, the topics around the around which the subgroups are based. So you might want to start attending some of those. And thirdly, yeah, the RIA meetings pretty much allow just for introductions, the big meetings do. But again, the smaller group meetings tend to allow for much more networking. And uh, certainly you can do something like put together a mastermind group out of the folks you do meet, um, uh, you know, get together with, with people on a more informal basis. I, I understand that, you know, those big meetings, it's kind of scary and there's there's lots of folks around and you don't feel like you have the right to talk to anybody because you're a new investor, but you just have to sort of push yourself into the groups, go to the meetings after the meetings. There's always there's always the meeting after the meeting where people go to a restaurant or a bar or something and you want to hang out there as well. So um, that's my best, but my best suggestions for you, Rick, and good luck in 2012. We are at the end of our last program for 2011. So ladies and gentlemen, please set some good real estate goals for yourself for 2012 and uh, push forward toward that prosperity this upcoming year. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.